When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a bunch. Can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again. Twist a little bit deeper because you got thick skin. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to After the Snap. We are back post super duper extra wild card round. It's the biggest season in NFL history, and it is the biggest weekend in NFL history. There were more wild card games than I've ever seen in my life, and there were three days full of them. Brett, Reed, Chris, I, we were all in Buffalo for the game. The Bills stomped the Patriots in somewhat almost disrespectful fashion. And I still am trying to figure out where my toes are because I don't know if they're still attached to my body. It was so cold. I'll I'll tell you what, to hit on your uh, super duper extra ginormous wild card weekend bit there, I saw somebody, um, a couple of people were talking about uh, the, the the super wild card last game being played on MLK Day uh, on Monday night. And they were talking about, okay, well, you know, oh, the NBA, NBA season's happening right now. Oh, the NBA should, uh, you know, should, because I guess they were honoring uh, MLK during the game. They obviously through the NFL game, they had the logos and the branding on the field and the helmets and the stickers and stuff. And then for the NBA, they, I guess they were doing something. I don't watch much NBA. It's mostly college, so I don't know. But they said so somebody was saying the NBA should put primetime games like Christmas, like they do on Christmas, on MLK Day. It should be an all NBA focused day. And somebody just came in and was like, "Nope." Now that the NFL uh, has extended the regular season by a week, you know, week eighteen, MLK Day is now owned by the NFL. Just like every other holiday between July and as long like as Christmas March. doesn't fall on a Tuesday or Wednesday, there will be football. You bet your bottom dollar there's going to be a Christmas game every year for the rest of eternity. And guess what? There's always going to be a Super Wild Card Weekend game on Monday night MLK night from now until the rest of eternity until they add a Week 19. <laughs> <laughs> So and then they'll have and then they'll have a Monday night football. Exa- yeah, they'll have a Monday night football game. Uh, but anyway, that's my thoughts. But uh, yeah, so uh, you guys were all in town for the game. I I'm not going to ask because I know that you guys had a blast. But we need to hit on the stone cold weather before we do. I I want to mention just something I noted. There were a couple of things that I was like, okay. 
I want to make sure I remember these things because they are noteworthy podcast items. And so I took some notes and I, I wanted to mention this one in specific because I felt like it was exactly what I wasn't expecting, but also should have been expecting. We were boarding our flight to Buffalo from Atlanta and there was a guy walking on, I was already in my seat and there was a guy walking past me on the flight and he was wearing a dirty Dickies like mechanic suit and a hard hat was hanging from his backpack. And if, if that doesn't explain everything about where I was going and Buffalo in general, really all of Western New York, but just Buffalo in general, that is, that was like, okay, I forgot what these people were like. And I mean, it was just the definition of grit. So I thought that that was noteworthy. Gritty. It's it's kind of interesting that obviously you went to this game as a fan and as did I and so did Chris. But normally when you travel to a game, you're traveling like to, with the team. I'd like to make note that I was going as an observer, not okay. a fan yes. of either team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty an sure obje- our director of an communications. An passerby. Our director of communications would really be happy if I said that. So I was a fan of Reed Ferguson and I wanted him to perform well. So you traveled to this game as an opponent of the New England Patriots in <laughs> in wait uh, until next season when you can take action again. So as you came up to boo the New England Patriots, you got to like travel and see the normies and not be like, you know, I mean, you guys are kind of in a bubble when you guys travel to city to city, even when pre-COVID and all that. It's like you drop in. You're getting there, you get some food and stuff, but like flying commercial into or out of some of these cities, like Las Vegas is one to me that like flying in and out of Las Vegas, you get a really clear picture of what Las Vegas is like. That's so the same. They've got casinos in the airport in Vegas. <laughs> like it, it's a one-stop shop, but I'm glad, I'm actually glad you said that because another thing that I noted on this flight was Before we even boarded the flight, we were not on the airplane yet. There was a lady who started the, hey, she literally did that chant before we were ever even on the, like the jet At the gate? At the gate. That's awesome. And then when we landed, they were all up in the aisles, jumping around, you know, playing the bills make me want to shout. Like they were juiced. You got to be. It's like, oh man, best fans in the NFL. There's, there's like no. I've been to so many stadiums, and it's incredible. This was the, this was. Uh, so I gave a little perspective. This was the coldest game I've ever played in. This was the second coldest game. I think we hit on it last week on the pod. This was the second coldest home game in Buffalo Bills history. First was 1994, I believe. Uh, it was wind chill minus 32. I think on. Saturday night, it got down to like minus uh, six or minus seven. I mean, I could, I, I, I'm a firm, and this is going to sound so stupid. I'm a firm believer to myself that I don't wear the sideline coats because it makes me soft. You're a better man than I am. It makes me mentally soft. Okay. If it's raining, cold, freezing cold, I've never worn one. You bet your bottom dollar I wore one Saturday night. And I stood right next to the heater 
and I didn't move from the heater unless I was warming up or had to go line up uh, for punt or go out for an extra point. Well, so, you didn't have to line up for a punt, did you, Reed? You didn't have to line well, up. Well, line punt up for a punt on the sideline. Okay, on the sideline. So when so I as, need to hear what y'all y'all's outfits were. We need a full a, breakdown. Well, hang on. So as a player of the Buffalo Bills, for this is your sixth year now. What's the coldest temperature that you've ever been in? Not necessarily played in. Was that the coldest you've ever like been outside in? Or was it cold? No, has it been colder than that? No, there was a three day stretch in December, mid December, probably twenty eighteen, where it was the the it was low single digits, but very high winds uh, for a couple of days. It was like maybe a, a middle of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It was like two or three days I vividly remember, and um, it, it the wind chill was in the minus thirties. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. That was, um, well, it was by far the coldest weather I've ever even like been in step foot in. I think one time in like when I was in high school, it was, it dropped down to like nine degrees or something. And we like had the day off of school or like we started late (laughs) or something (laughs) Yeah, just because it was so cold. But when literally when we arrived back at the at your house after the game, I looked at the weather app and it said it was one degree. <laughs> yeah, we're, I was we're like, on the couch, is, like, what's the temperature? It's a degree. It is, it is a, <laughs> a degree. degree. And it's like, no. what's the point of even, what's the point of even measuring it when it's below like five degrees? Because it really does. It all matter. feels the same. No, I've, I tell people it that all the matter. time. They're like, how do you, they're like, do you get, you know, how cold does it get? And I'm like, well, there's like thirties where it's cold. Right. And then once you get below 20, it all feels the same. You leave your hands out of your pockets for 30 seconds and you go numb. Right. So if I like, if you don't have a hand warmer at the game or whatever, you're, you're like, you can't, you're, you can't text on your phone. You can't like do these simple things where it's just like you, you, you're like, I always say, I always tell people like, it feels like uh, my hands are getting, are getting bitten. Mm-hmm. Like the cold, like starts biting at your skin almost. It's yeah, like, sti- weird it like sensation. stings. It's a, it like stings. It's a stinging yeah. sensation, but that's honestly what it feels like. Yeah. So to go to back to read back to your question to uh, the apparel for the game. Yes. So. I, I made it, I got off of work at seven o'clock on Saturday and I made it to my seat in the stadium before kickoff in an hour and 15 minutes from leaving work, going home, showering, having my girlfriend drop me off at the stadium. So my apparel for the game was, I had on thick pajama pants, then coveralls that I have from Carhartt. And then as far as, and then my feet, I had my steel toe boots that I wear to work. And they also had like the, uh, like, I didn't even know they existed, but it's like a, it's a sticky pad that goes on the bottom of your socks. It's like hot hands and it like activates every time you step. Yeah. So I had that. And then for the upper body, I had on a long sleeve t-shirt. I had on a cardigan and then I had on a Columbia fleece. 
And then I had on a parka, no gloves, hot hands in the pockets of the parka, and then a, a, a Russian hat style, like a la Seinfeld, the Russian hat. I had that on too, and I was comfortable throughout the game. It was it was a party up in the rock pile where I sit. So you never yeah. got cold? No. All right. No, well, that's and impressive. That's impressive. That might have to do with the fact that I wasn't there for tailgating. So I was literally there from 7:45 until 11:30. I think it's funny like we were there and I'll go over my outfit and all that too. But like you you could be wearing Bills gear, right? And then you're a Bills fan. But if you're wearing like real tree or coveralls or muck boots, that is just as much a Buffalo Bills fan outfit as a Josh Allen jersey. And I, that is one of 100%. my favorite things. And it's so accurate now living in the South. And people are like, there's no rednecks up in the Northeast. And I'm like, nah, you come to Pennsylvania and Western New York, like we are full of white trash. Uh, so good. <laughs> there was there was one piece of article that I could not wear. I have a similar to what Reed has on the sidelines that he keeps his hands in that I got from China. I brought that. I'm like, I'm going to wear this thing. It's got the Bills logo on it. I put my hands in it and have some hot hands. I had too many layers. It didn't fit around my waist. The the, the strap was not long enough? The strap, not long enough. I, I could not wear it. I had to leave it at home. Well, they did have the giveaway for the game on Saturday night was a Zippo like electric hand warmer. Did you get one of those? Because Brett and I got one and I used it and it was phenomenal. Did not get one. Those things were, I mean, phenomenal. And that's like a, that's like an all time giveaway at a game. Yeah, that like was outside of like a bobblehead or something super cool like that. Like, I don't want a t-shirt. I don't want, you know, a foam finger. I want a hand warmer when it's, odd degree outside odd degree, odd degree. <laughs> uh, what do you say when it's zero no degrees nil. how cold is it nil it's nil nil well, i think Zil- Zilch and I dress pretty similarly i think i wore like long, i think we both had like long johns and pant and regular pants on like jeans and then like two or three layers up top and i was very comfortable i actually wore my bill snuggy over my winter coat uh, and huge. then just had like a gator. We both had like gator, like head cover things on and we were good. I mean, it was really, it wasn't that bad. The toes were about the only thing that got cold. And, and the weirdest thing though about the toes is that Kevin has this thing and he, before the games, like we got to get some cardboard. We got to get some cardboard. And big Kev. He learned that recently. Yeah. Sometimes big Kev says stuff and you're like, that ain't right. And sometimes he says stuff and you're like, ah, right, we'll check it out. So we brought a bunch of your Ikea cardboard boxes from your garage. And yep. sure enough, we're there like 15 minutes and I got one foot on and one foot off just by accident. And I'm like, wow, why is my left foot warmer? I look down and I'm like, I look over at Kev. I was like, why does this work? He goes, I have no idea. Couldn't figure it out. We so need neither one of us could. Well, we were we were standing on the cardboard just watching warm ups, whatever, and down the aisle come three people carrying literal like two feet long pieces of styrofoam, like an inch thick styrofoam. Like insulation like, foam you put in your ceiling or your roof in your house. Literally. It was insane. I I the thing the extent that you know, people go to, to stay warm at these games. It's amazing. There was one time snowmageddon 2017. There were people at the game with, 
with squares of carpet on their head to carpet. keep the like carpet squares, literally to keep the snow from falling on their head and shoulders. It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. It was Dalton carpet. Yes. Dalton carpet. Shout out Dalton carpet and all of the furniture that you buy there because it's probably the last place I ever want to go ever again. Reed, Reed, how was the, uh, the other specialists handling the cold? We were pretty much all the same. We were trying to huddle by the, by the heater as much as possible. And then, you know, it, it, it helped because, you know, when you go out there for, uh, for warmups, you're, you're on the field for a very extended period of time, which is not, you know, when it's a degree, uh, it's not a very realistic simulation of what the game is going to be like. You're really during the game, you're by the heater, you're trying to, you know, you're getting comfortable sort you know, as comfortable as you can get. And then you kind of hit, hit some in the net or whatever, and then get ready to go out on the field. When you're out there for warmups, you know, you're out there for, you know, 30 minutes without going over to the heater. Uh, but we did, we had to a couple times just to warm up and then go back out and get some more kicks. But uh, it was definitely, I mean, it was a new experience for all three of us just because uh, Matt, obviously coming from Miami, had not played in anything like that. Tyler, this being his second year here, had not played anything. And then, you know, myself, I, you know, like I said, I, I think the coldest game prior to Saturday that I had played in was maybe 10, 10 or 12 degrees warmer than Saturday night was. So it, it was, uh, it was a good learning experience. I guess that's, that's my final answer, but it was, it was good. Just a few things to wrap up the game. One, uh, and I didn't know this until after the game. Chris, back me up on the stats here. Um, I know you guys have probably already recorded uh, the Rock Power Report this week. The Bills play, analytically speaking, the Bills played the perfect offensive game. That is correct because to intro the Rock Power Report that we recorded last night, it's out now on any major platform, I put together a intro for the show to illustrate how perfect that game was and because I know Reed I know how old you are and Blake you don't get this reference Brett you might get the reference I made an introduction to our show with all of Josh Allen's touchdown passes combined with anybody from WEEI in Boston or NBC Sports Boston that was knocking Josh Allen for playing in the cold and I, and I went touchdown pass critic, touchdown pass critic, and I'll put that behind the WWF theme song of Mr. Perfect because that was the perfect performance on offense for the Bills. Seven touchdowns, and then you had two seven more drives, drives. Yep. that were kneel downs to end seven the game. Drives, seven drives, seven touchdowns. The game. No yeah. punts, no, no field goals. goals. No fourth no downs. No fourth no downs. No turnovers. No fourth downs. The only fourth down we faced was on the kneel down to end the game. And our longest third down that we faced was third and four. How about this? Reed, did you know this? The Buffalo Bills had as many third down attempts as touchdowns. And and Josh had less incompletions than touchdown passes. Correct. It was a, it four was to five, widely, I think, right? Widely regarded as the perfect game. 
against the number two defense. Just saying. Yeah, we don't uh, we don't really you know keep track of those things around here. Psych. But just to hit on, okay, last thing I'll say, you guys were obviously there for the intro, the player intros. I gave you guys a little hint, uh, Brett and Blake, earlier a couple days beforehand uh, as to what the secret was. But I now hope that they do that for every night game in Buffalo from here on out. You have to. Because that when they shut the lights off for the player intros, that place went absolutely bananas. That was sick. I've been to a lot of stadiums for a lot of intros. I don't know if that was the best one, but it was way elevated compared to what Buffalo always does. Buffalo is always 100%. one of the worst teams when it comes to theatrics and showmanship. You know what I mean? It's blue collar. It's football. You're here to watch them run the ball, right. pass the ball. And like, that, yeah. and that's fine. I think the demographic in me as a Bills fan, like I – I like that. That's one of the reasons I like the Bills and I like teams like the Steelers and I love that old I think school. I a little bit of culture, that has but... to do with age of stadium. Oh yeah. As far as ability to do some of that stuff because I think back like one of the best that I've seen is New Orleans. Um That's what it that's what we it reminded there for me Thanksgiving. a lot of. Yeah, when we were there for Thanksgiving, they did they shut the lights off. There was lights around, you know, lights and smoke around the tunnel. And uh, it was it was phenomenal. I was getting juiced up, you know, and we were the away team. So it was absolutely electric. Bill's Mafia was just insanely awesome on Saturday night. And, um, you know, hopefully we get another chance to play in front of them. I guess that will be next week. So uh, keeping our fingers crossed, but looking ahead to KC on Sunday night. Well, it's about this time of the show. We probably talk about French fries or some other snack food, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did about- have I did have a shout out uh, for the uh, after the snap clutch snap of the week. Uh, Blake, did you see my notes on this? Yeah. Well, I first wanted to uh, give a shout out to Kaylina's for, and this is this is to Brett's ah, yes. to Brett's point for making cinnamon rolls the size of our face, like. They're huge. So Kaylina needs to come on as an official sponsor. I don't know who in our art department or whatever we have here. We'll have to send it out to like the assistant to the network executives uh, at after the snap. But yeah, I think that also might. I think that also might be you. Yeah, I think that might be in my my resume. Brett wears mini hats. Brett wears mini hats. Um, But yes, after the snap, clutch snap of the week. Yes. So so. Super For duper, super duper, ginormous, enormous, biggie wild card weekend. There were no like, uh, you know, no game winner, no, you know, take the lead field goal snaps. I think the closest game was maybe the uh, 49ers Cowboys game. And there was it was six points. So I uh, didn't really think of anything there. But I did want to give credit to uh, the Rams special teams. Uh, Johnny Hecker had himself a day. Uh, but he could not have done that without the uh, perfect snaps from Matt Orschek. Uh Five punt snaps resulting in five punts down inside the 20. All five Dang. punts down inside the 20. Talk about flipping field position. Uh, that is a great job from Matthew and Johnny uh, and the rest of the guys out there for the Rams special teams unit. So I wanted to give a shout-out to them, and we will be giving him a shout-out on social uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. Wrapping up NFL, uh, wanted to congratulate uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase 
and any other LSU Tigers on the Cincinnati Tyler Bengals. Sh- Tyler Shelvin. Tyler Shelvin on uh, helping to break the Cincinnati Bengals postseason win drought. I believe that is the first playoff win since 1991. I am only congratulating them because, A, they helped us break our drought in 2017, and two, I know how it feels to be a part of uh, a team that is a, a part of a long uh, postseason draw like that. So, uh, mad props to them. You know, good luck to them this weekend against Tennessee. Very what were you guys doing them. in '91? I was merely a thought. I was, I was definitely five. not a thought. You were probably playing at our neighbor's house, Chris. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't move to Atlanta until uh, 1994. All right. Well, I stand corrected. I was in Rochester watching was the up Bills here lose the Super Bowl <laughs> four times. I think that was roughly that time period if I num- my dates are right. So I was a little kid watching the Bills lose on a tube TV. Was that year one of the of the four Super Bowls? I don't yep. think so. 91. 1990. Oh, Dark times. I think it's probably time in the podcast where we get into what we're actually going to talk about after we've just rambled for the last, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And what we're here to talk about today is actually something that I've been really interested by for the last couple of years as it's grown and it's it's increased almost exponentially this year uh, in college athletics being the transfer portal. And with the new NCAA rule where players, athletes can leave their school and get a one-time free transfer without missing any eligibility, we've seen a huge huge, huge increase in players entering the transfer portal, especially in football, 1,300, something to the tune of 1,300 players have have entered the portal since August in FBS football. And that's, that's, that is football alone, not basketball, not any other, you know, women's, including women's sports. It's, it's just football. And to me, that is mind blowing. Do you guys, do you know, I mean, I'm sure obviously we don't know every one of these, but do you think because of name, image, and likeness, there's might be a desire to go down a, a quote unquote tier of school because you could be a bigger star in a smaller pond and maybe you could leverage that to get more deals? Like I'm thinking like I, say you're the number two <clears throat> at LSU, but you can go be the number one at Vanderbilt or the number one at, you know, Michigan State or something like that. And then you're the big fish in that town. And now all of a sudden you're getting the car deals and stuff like that, even though, you know, maybe, you know, you're not in any number one football pick in two years anyways. They already tried that. And that was Tate Martell and it didn't work. Was that in Miami? Miami, UNLV, Ohio State. I don't know what colleges he went to. Brett, I'd have to agree. That makes sense. What you're saying is what you're saying definitely makes sense. I think what a lot of the bigger schools are doing to prevent that from happening where a bigger guy gets lost, not gets lost, but a bigger guy leaves and goes to a smaller school is, uh, I mean, Blake, I know you saw it yesterday, but there was a guy, uh, a Miami university of Miami hurricanes booster who basically set up this company that is going to serve basically like a bank 
for NIL just, deal for he's NIL setting deals. Up an, he's setting up an LLC, and it's exactly all you got. He's do got a lot of boosters, endorsed. you know, yeah. donating. Right, exactly. Uh, and you're they're endorsed by this. I think it's like some kind of tech company, but it was literally created like a week ago, or or like three weeks ago, or something. And he basically wrote out on Twitter like. This guy got 50K. This guy got 40K. This guy got 45,000. And it's like offensive line, tight end, you know, running back, tight end, D line. And it's just like, well, he's putting this out there. Like, these are the deals that he's cutting through this nonsense tech company, which I, I mean, I, it is legit, but that's what they're doing. They're not just saying they're, they're, it's, it's no, it's no longer go be the big fish in a small pond. Go where the booster money is. Go where the booster money is. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Because the boosters are just going to funnel the money through uh, a third party that wants to give you a a sponsorship. If you don't think that Nick Saban is on the phone with every car dealership and whoever else helping negotiate these deals for these players to get what they want at Alabama, at the big schools, even if they're not the number one guy there – you're crazy. There was literally a guy uh, also on Twitter that was trending the other day. Some some kid tr- that transferred, uh, and 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 the dealership, the owner of the dealership, posted the picture of him handing the keys to the to the transfer kid that had just signed with their school, and it was a like one of the new GMC AT4 trucks. And it's just like that's that's what it's come down to. It's call it. It, this is NCAA free agency. I think it's like this whole NIL thing reminds me of like when they legalize weed in the sense that like everybody had this picture in their head of like, we're going to do this and Colorado's going to legalize it and you're going to be able to go buy joints. And then like a year or two later, it's like weaponized marijuana of gummies, candy bars, chocolate, like anything you could ever think of that remotely is involved with like- that. Yeah, is now like a thing, and it's how it feels like now. It's like it's like oh, these kids should be able to go get a shoe deal, and now it's just like we're making a shell corporation to pay them a salary, and you're like, we're only three months in. Like that's yeah, it. No. But it, it, I think it escalated. I mean, to your to your point, Brett, it escalated way faster than I think anybody. I mean, there might be a, there might have been a small portion of people who you know who planned ahead and knew how to take advantage of this, but I mean, when we were talking about it last summer. I mean, we were just discussing, you know, Miles Brennan getting a deal with Raising Canes, right? Like, who knows how much they were paying him, but he was probably getting free canes, you know, a couple times a week or something like that, right? And now, yeah, it was like a know, big deal. It was like a big deal when we saw Miles Brennan was at Hollingsworth Ford in Baton Rouge exactly. getting a, a white F one fifty. Right now, they're now they're literally setting up LLCs just to funnel these kids' money. Yep. They don't, even have to, right. they don't even have to post anything on their Instagram story for it. Like, nope. it's just money going this to them. This final four endorsed. is going to be really interesting because it'll be the first major – it'll be the first cycle of a major college sporting event that's been full season of NIL, right? So, I think, like, whatever ads you made for the college football playoff and all that were probably made sometime in the early fall when this was new. But they could realistically be shooting ads with these kids – over Christmas break, December, January. And like, I'm curious to see what happens. Are you going to see like Kentucky players on an, a, you know, a Nissan ad or I don't know, whatever, like you've seen a little bit of it here and there, but it could be interesting. Like 
to see where this all goes. And next season with football, it'll obviously be full circle by then too. Just a question out of curiosity. I know we're kind of off track of the the whole transfer portal thing onto the NIL, but do you think that the NCAA has has a say in the advertisements that are shown during March Madness? Like, do they get to do they get to thumbs up, you know, a Kentucky basketball player being on a Ford commercial or whatever it is, or can, do they have any kind of leverage in that? I'm sure I would, from my experience working in media, the network obviously would. So usually what happens on an event like that is like there's a certain amount of ads that go to the national level, right? So it's the Nissan, the Pizza Hut, whatever. And a certain number go to local companies. And then those the local broadcasting network can then sell those back to the national, which usually happens on like the Super Bowl or March Madness or stuff. So like on a local level, like if you're watching March Madness in Kentucky or Syracuse or whatever, I'm sure those will have happened and that would right. be at the, the local jurisdiction. But I would think the NCAA probably has some form of approval, but I would imagine it's probably not much. It's got to be more on the network than anything, yeah. I would think. The only kind of frame of reference that I have is from like an event like the Masters where and, and obviously they're completely different because they're, you know, super exclusive about everything. But they literally have like four advertisements running the entire weekend of their tournament. It's like, you know, Mercedes Benz, Rolex and whatever, you know, financial institution they are partnered with. But I was just curious because I wonder if they are going to try and shut those kinds of things down for March Madness or if they would actually encourage that now that it's all legal anyway. I think it would be – I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't – well, I'm sure somebody would be up in arms about it. But would it be a bad thing if these companies that were running commercials during March Madness have, okay, some dude from ba- – the best player on Baylor, the best player on Duke, right, be be, in, be doing a spot for their commercials while they're playing in an Sweet 16 game? Seems like leading it would, up to the Sweet 16 game? It seems I mean, like it would only be I, a good thing. I've never seen more NFL players in commercials during NFL games than I have this season. I mean, it's been insane. Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, I mean, Gronkowski. You name it. Gronkowski. I mean, you Frank, name say it. Say hi. These guys are in commercials on the games that they're playing in. And I, I it's hard for me to see that the NCAA is not going to go that route, even if it is on a more smaller scale local market type uh, deal. Imagine if you, when we were in school and Leonard Fournette is doing car commercials while he, and then the next day, he's doing car commercials the morning we play Auburn at home in 2014 or 15, whenever that is. And then he goes out there and runs for 250 and four tutties, right? It's like, oh, well, you're going to get an uptick in car sales, I believe. That or a lot more people are Googling your dealership name. It'll be interesting to me to see how just kind of getting getting back to where we started, just to see how this transfer portal free year of, you know, of moving around and doing whatever you want because there's effectively no rules anymore, how that affects, how that is affected by the NIL stuff. And I think it really will be. But I, I wanted to make note of LSU – our alma mater has added 11 players since Brian Kelly has taken over from the transfer transfer portal alone. 
And yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. One thing because you can only take in so many transfers. And then if you want to take in more, I think it's seven, seven or eight I was reading. And then any number above that eats into your the number you can bring in for your next freshman class. Do you think that that's going to become a normal thing? Like, like, is this, is this what <laughs> we always laugh about the, the quote, the, the phrase new normal with COVID and all that, but is this the new normal? Like, is that, I don't see why not. Are there going to be 10 players added from the transfer portal every year now instead of like three? Well, I don't think yeah. 10, but I think you're going to see, you're going to see every team try to bring in four or five new dudes every year. Because so was, they was ra- the 11 think, just because it was a new coach? <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, pro- maybe. And they lost maybe a lot so. of the And he lost some of the recruiting had. time and stuff like that because he got hired you know, two weeks before the first uh, signing day in December. But I think what you're going to find is that if the limit is seven, I think you're going to find coaches that want to – that are going to want to max that out more often than not because – They'd rather take a chance on a guy that play, you know, may may have a year or two of experience, like LSU. I added a couple names on here. Some guys that were SEC all freshman teams, freshman all Americans. These guys have have experience starting at another school, and they can instantly come in and start for us this coming fall. And they LSU would rather take the chance on those guys. They get, they can get here. I'm assuming this semester, right? I'm assuming they transfer in yeah, ASAP. I don't really know. Yep. Be there for spring football, right? But and and most of your freshmen aren't there until the summertime, so they're losing all that all that experience time, even though it's a couple months. But you know what you're getting. With I think I think a lot of coaches would trade knowing what you're getting or 80%, 75-80% knowing what you're getting with a player who's transferring in who you have college film on for maybe a two or a three-star guy uh that that's kind of filling out the bottom of your recruiting class. I j- I have two thoughts and number one I I 100% see what you're saying by that it's effectively becoming the way that every NFL organization operates. You're going to take somebody who has NFL game film over a an undrafted free agent rookie. Exactly. 10 times out of 10. Exactly. And, that's, and the good I mean, thing about college is it's not costing them any money. Right. I was going to say, the economics are completely different. I mean, the only person who's going to lose here is freshman recruits. Right. It's freshman exactly. recruits. You can't argue for yourself. And there's absolutely no – there's no reward to risk it on the new kid – Versus just like there's literally no benefit to go with a new 17 year old than there is to go with an 18 or 19 year old. And that's then you don't get another year out of them or whatever. Right. And that's that's exactly my point. You know, my point that I'm making about about the NFL, like they, you know, they would rather have somebody who they've seen play a year at the highest level rather than an undrafted free agent that they've you know, they have no idea how they're going to come in as a rookie. and, And so. I mean, that was something that that we had to consider when we were coming along. And, you know, we knew that that even if even if it didn't you know stick the first team, at least you have game film where you can, you know, have a better shot at making another team 
than a, than some than a rookie coming in. But my second point that I wanted to make, and just something that I think is uh, is interesting, and I I think that with the new um, transfer rules, I think that this will give schools a second chance at recruits that they didn't get. They, for example, LSU got Noah Kane running back out of Penn State, who they – I remember when I was at LSU and we were hosting Noah Kane as a recruit the first time. And so I think that it'll be interesting to see how many schools go after a recruit that are that is transferring that they've already gone after once and didn't get. Obviously, Brian Kelly wasn't there the first time they recruited him, but a lot, you know, a lot of the personnel people are are still there or whatever. You think about like Alabama; they got Elias Ricks from LSU. They recruited Elias Ricks. He was in their top, or they were in his top four when he was coming out. So, I think that this is going to give schools an opportunity to get the players that they originally wanted that might have chosen another school for another reason that they feel like could still add value even a year or two removed. Yeah, just to name, I know we have a lot of LSU fans that listen to the pod. <clears throat> I thought it would be interesting to name and kind of uh, encouraging to name a couple of the highlighted guys um, that have been announced uh, that are coming to the Tigers through the transfer portal. And I, I hope I'm saying this guy's name right. Makai Wingo, named to the SEC All-Freshman uh, team last year. Uh, Jay Bramblett uh, is a punter from Notre Dame. He's the only guy so far to follow Brian Kelly from Notre Dame. Uh, 43 yards a punt, top five punter from the 2019 class. Uh, should be good to go there. Uh, Kyron Lacey, he's a wide receiver from uh, University of Louisiana Lafayette down the road. Supposedly a big wide receiver. I think I said, I think what I read was that he was uh, about 6'3, caught 10 touchdowns in the last two seasons combined. So pretty impressive uh, there, especially, um, we, we, you know, getting our guys some help back there at, at quarterback. Uh, Miles Frazier, he's an offensive lineman from FIU. He was a freshman All American last year. And uh, Noah Kane, this was one of the more notable names. Uh, he's a running back from Penn State. He is a uh, Baton Rouge native and a former top 100 recruit out of IMG. So um, some 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 encouraging names filling uh, some much-needed holes there uh, for the Tigers. So, uh, I, 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 I mean, it's hard for me not to say that I'm looking forward to what Brian Kelly's going to turn us into for next season. Yeah, I'm excited and – Obviously, he needed to have a big transfer portal window to make up for the lack of time that he had with the early signing period back in December, like you mentioned. But I'm I'm super excited. I, I know it, within the last few days they've they've retained a lot of guys. Micah Baskerville, Jay Ward is coming back for his senior year. There are several guys, several key guys specifically on the defensive side of the ball that are that are going to be staying and I think that that's really going to help um, having that core group that that kind of knows the LSU uh, well under coach Orgeron we called it the LSU standard of performance I'm not sure what Brian Kelly will call it but that's that's something that goes beyond coaching staffs in my opinion it's it, the LSU standard of performance is something that was set by players like Michael Clayton back in the day, you know, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, 
all the way up through, you know, since, since I, I've been there and, and it's, it is continuing with players like Jamar Chase going on and, and leaving an, uh, an impact and a legacy beyond LSU. So um, I, I'm excited to see how Brian Kelly can put those transfer guys with the new recruits, with the guys that are sticking around. Hopefully we can get a, a pretty solid product here in a short period of time because that's that's really all you're given as a new head coach in the SEC, especially the SEC West. Do we have any final comments, Brett or Man. Chris? I get a final little talking point, and that is next week. Like, what what an exciting week of playoff football to not have the Cowboys, to not have the Eagles, to not have the Patriots. Like, we've <laughs> lost so many bad fan bases this week, and it's very exciting. So that's that's the best part of this weekend. But also, Laker, like, fan, how Laker, fans, Laker fans everywhere are disappointed. It's a rough week for <laughs> Lakers fans. Well, what are – what are we thinking about this this games this weekend? Obviously, ninety percent worried about the Bills game. What are you guys thinking about this game? What are you thinking about? You know, are, do you think they're going to have enough jelly and peanut butter on the sandwiches this time? Like, Ooh, what? This is round two. This is yeah. Round see, two. it always comes yeah, back to food with me. That's a um, that's a great question, uh, and one that I will um, have to take up with our our team nutritionist. I'll have to. I have to. Uh, get with him before we fly out uh, for Kansas City on 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 Saturday. But are those uh, yeah, those sandwiches? Question. I think those sandwiches are made. They are. Like, they're made a couple days prior, so I might have to hit them up tomorrow. Yeah, you gotta uh, just be maybe sure. Ants on a log too, you know, little raisins on a celery with the peanut butter. Celery in there. stick. Like, how many? <laughs> I, how many yeah, like seven to ten year old kids? I don't snacks like do you guys have back watered there? water hair. So <laughs> that's basically the, what celery is. The best kid snack that I know of that the Dolphins had have had for us the last couple of years were the is it Black Mountain the gummies is that what it's called Black Mountain the brand That's a brand and they're the like juice filled it's like gummy bursts so it's just and gushers it's just knockoff gushers effectively yes. And they are fantastic. Fantastic. Like halftime, always grabbing one. I love how always. we always think of like halftime football as outsiders being like, they're in there and, you know, John Gruden slamming on the bench and Madden's hitting the lock. You know, and then really you guys in there are like, I need to change my shirt. I need to get a little snack. I need to go pee pee and get some water. Yep. And then we got to go back and play more football, guys. Like it's got to be the reality in there, I'm sure. Mixed it's with funny. like trap house music playing. It's funny because I, I was actually talking to my parents. I, we saw a commercial the other day and it's it's like supposed to be some, you know, super theatrical like halftime scene where there's like a there's like a um, dramatic speech by the coach and all the players are like super quiet and in tune listening to the speech. And I, I looked at my mom and I was like, that's like not it at all. Like, <laughs> like we're especially like specialists we're in there for like three minutes and then we're back on the field you know kicking and punting and snapping footballs and stuff but like guys are sitting in their locker like you know getting a drink of water getting a gatorade getting a snack and you know somebody will speak up if if something needs to be addressed but it's it's like not this it's not what everybody makes it out to be about this you know super you know 
fist on tape for the skipper. Right. Yeah. It's not. No. I don't. I mean, I don't know how it is in the Bills locker room, but it's certainly not like that where I in the in the couple of places that I've played between high school Baton Rouge and now in Miami. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to watch this game. I'll sadly be watching it from a hotel room in East Tennessee because I got to work the next morning out of state, but looking forward to it. All right. Well, everybody tune in to this week's not as huge, not as enormous weekend of divisional round football, but still a lot of really, really good games. And we will be back next week to recap the most mediumist NFL playoff weekend that there has ever been. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.